Welcome to this long-delayed episode 27 of Checking the Gate, a film on religion podcast. I am Robert Wright Stasco. And I am Michael M. Patty. And we are here today to talk to you about the religious elements in the Godfather series and also uh, the television show The Bible. which The is... Bible, the complete epic miniseries. Yes, that's an almost entirely religious content. To think about it, <laughs> but uh, uh, we'll also talk a, b- a little bit about how, like, the following around the Godfather has sort of become a religion itself. But first, uh, we want to apologize for the long delay. Uh, we each had um, separate health problems within our families that we had to attend to, and we were holding each other up and carrying each other along. <laughs> so, and, and somehow sitting for an hour and a half to record just wasn't a priority in, 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 for a little while. But we're back, and hope this episode's one of our better ones. Yes, we've had a lot of time to study. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like I said in the last episode, we did, I did get that Blu-ray edition of the Godfather series, and man, was it beautiful to behold. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Robert, didn't didn't uh, you get a really good price on it? Yes, I got I got it for like twenty bucks. It was twenty or twenty five bucks off of Amazon. So, so they made you an offer you couldn't refuse. <laughs> That's right, they did. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, that was that was bad. It, it wasn't too bad. So, it was a cheap setup. Yeah. Well, the Skype connection, you know, gives you a, a little higher pitched voice. So you, on oh. my end, you really sounded like uh, the master there, Brando. I'm trying to pull up uh, some IMDb information. Um, while I'm doing that, why don't you give us a rundown of the Godfather movies? In the first one, Marlon Brando plays the Godfather. He's in. He's the head of a mob family uh, with his sons, Sonny, played by James Caan, Michael, played by Al Pacino. And Fredo, played by James Cazal, I think I'm saying that right. John John, Caz- John Cazal. And uh, it's about how eventually through wheelings and dealings and gang violence and what have you, Michael ends up the head of the family. I'm oversimplifying it, but uh, yeah. that's the basic plot for the two of you listening who are, for our whatever reason... Uh, enjoying this podcast who have not already seen The Godfather. Uh, pause it, come back in three hours, we'll wait, it's good. Come back in six and a half hours, because you also need to see Godfather Part 2, which not only tells the present, quote-unquote, story of Michael as head of the Corleone family, but it also tells, in flashback, Vito, played in the second movie by Robert De Niro, his coming to America and his rise to power before the events of the first movie. And that's actually my, I prefer the De Niro parts to the Al Pacino parts in Godfather Part Two. Yeah. Uh, Godfather Part Two, much better film than the first one, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and then the third one, which has elderly Michael, and everybody knows the line, just when I think I'm out. They pull me back in. That's from Godfather Part 3. And that has yeah. some uh, religious elements to it, too. It has probably the the most obvious... The most overt religious yeah. references. Yeah, it, the, the plot centers around trying to strike a deal with the Vatican. 
and this is uh, around the um, the time of yeah, it's fictitious, of, of New- but it's. What actually happened with the Pope, like, dying, like, yeah. uh, I think it's a few weeks into his uh, papacy, yeah. that actually happened, so this, they kind of spin... But yeah, but he wasn't murdered, like, in Godfather Part 3. Was he? Was no. he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they totally put a really fantastical, fictitious spin on actual historical events. Right. But, you know, what if... What yeah, if? much much like Saving Private Ryan and Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, about <laughs> as true. Yeah, about I think true. Steven Spielberg directed both those movies. <laughs> yeah, he did direct a movie about Abraham Lincoln that came out last year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. For our dedicated listeners, I'd like to point out I in in no way advocate watching Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter the movie. Go and listen to the audiobook instead. It's fantastic. I still need to do that myself. But, well, let's start talking about uh, the first Godfather movie. This one uh, begins with a religious ceremony. Begins and ends with sacraments. Yes, the sacrament, the Catholic sacrament of, the, of marriage with, with Connie's wedding. I, I come from a, a large Italian family, and I've been to a couple of these Italian weddings, and they're... They're like this. They are. They really are. I have a cousin. Uh, my cousin Jimmy was a lot like Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> did, did he bust up somebody's camera? Uh, no. At a at a family picnic, um, somebody stole my basketball, and so we hopped in Uncle Jimmy's car and we drove around Medina till we saw this punk like playing with the basketball, and I saw him. It was like the scene where. Um, or Sonny beats up his uh, brother-in-law. Oh, his brother-in-law. Yeah, it was like that. I mean, he beat the crap out of this guy. He was dragging him along the, the outside basketball court by his hair. I mean, Jimmy was a man. He he, he was he was like Sonny. <laughs> I will always remember that. But, uh, yeah, these sort of things happen at Italian family get-togethers. <laughs> Somehow they always do. I have that sort of touchstone in, into the... The, the Godfather series, you know, I, my, my I family don't, wasn't... And, and we'll 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 get back to that later. I I don't have, when I the first time I saw it, I remember thinking eh, that was pretty good. It's it, it seems it seemed to me the first time I saw it that it was just it was all plot. Like this is what happens to them. Yeah, and I didn't get the cultural implications. It it didn't sink in until. You know, I I like the second one more the first time I saw it, and and I still like the second one more than the first one. But it took me until a second viewing to like get it. Yeah, you know, after uh, what forty years, how much, how long is these? Uh, seventy two, forty one years. Yeah, after forty years of these movies, the first one seems like uh, the introduction or the setup for the second one. You know, and the second one seems like the peak, and then the, and then the, the third one is far inferior. Yeah, it's it's like the the denouement, which you know, it's it's like Batman denouement. Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, it, it's also like Infernal Affairs one, two, and three, which is a we'll talk about that a little later. It, it's sort of like the Chinese version of The Godfather, but I'll, I'll, I'll draw more comparisons upon that later. But I don't think the the religion really in in this movie, the Catholicism, is really a main staple, but it, it is part of the Italian culture. And I think what Coppola is doing is using using these major events 
in a literary type of way. You know, he's using him to show character development. What better way yeah, to, to introduce a whole family than at a wedding? The events that are happening at the wedding at the beginning and then the baptism at the end uh, directly contrast with the sacraments that are going on and what's actually happening with the members of the family at, at the wedding. We'll get to the baptism in a minute. At the wedding, Sonny's out uh, assaulting paparazzi photographers who are trying to get <laughs> yeah. uh, photos of the mob wedding that's going on inside Vito, the godfather, is taking a meeting. According to tradition, on the eve of the daughter's wedding, the godfather will take an audience and grant favors. Right. So the beginning of the movie, while the wedding is going on, a gentleman who it turns out is a funeral homeowner is meeting with Don Corleone, asking him for justice for his daughter who was beaten into unconsciousness. And he's essentially asking the Godfather to have some thugs go and kill the people who did that to his daughter. Right. And refuses to kill them, uh, just rough them up a little bit because his daughter wasn't dead and that was justice. Yeah. So they're talking about violence behind closed doors in the meantime, and there's some violence going on on the property. And in the meantime, it's a, a festive, happy occasion and, you know, in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. And and cake. Yeah. And uh, football sandwiches. You, my, uh, you, you there, Mike, or did I lose you? No, I'm, I'm there. I okay. had no I had no witty comeback. <laughs> This holy occasion, you know, where where people are being brought together, plans are being devised, the strings are being pulled, as it were. Yes. And uh, as depicted in the logo of the title. Yeah. Yeah. See how clever I was there. And <laughs> if we can jump to to the baptism scene at the end. Yeah. People have tried to kill Vito. They killed Sonny. You know, all these things that were set in motion at the wedding. They build and build and escalate yeah. until all of a sudden half the family's dead. Yeah. Fredo's in no position to take over the family after Vito dies. Yeah. And Sonny's dead. All that's left is Michael. And so yeah. he kind of steps up to it and... And he cleans house. His, he, he cleans house. Uh, yeah, his... During the baptism of his daughter they show him taking out the leaders of the other families that Vito had tried to start a truce with. Right. Michael decides enough's enough. I think there was some retail. I don't think they, any of them agreed to the truce. Right. Um, there was some reason. I. It's been a while. They wanted Vito to use his political connections to help him sell drugs, and he, he didn't yes, want to do the drugs. that's what it was. And so... When Michael ascends to head of the family, he just has them all whacked. Yeah. And it's very interesting because this is like his baptism in blood into yes. the the mafia. He he is the Don now. He is the godfather now. And, uh, you know, with, the, with this ultra-violent baptism, you know, because in baptism, symbolically, we're being washed, we're being clean, because that was the sort of purification that... Jewish people went to, but when Christians took over the practice of baptism, it became we're, we're now washed in the blood of Jesus and all our sins are forgiven and we're starting this new life as a new person. Michael's starting his life in a new, as a new person, but he is 
He's baptized in violence and in the blood of his enemies. So that is, I think that's what makes this movie great for those people who are aware of the the religious symbolism of baptism and seeing how that's twisted around at the end with the juxtaposition of uh, it's really intercut you know you get a little bit of the baptism and somebody dies Uh, a little bit of the baptism and a guy gets shot in the eye (laughs) you know oh yeah it's gruesome the uh this type of scene is done at the end of godfather 3 too that kind of juxtaposition so that's godfather 1 Godfather yeah. Part Two. So, well, what what basically happens in Godfather Part Two? Like, like, um, like Vito's journey compared to Michael's journey, right? And the what is it? The nineteen hundreds, nineteen teens. Yeah. Uh, Robert De Niro plays Vito instead of Marlon Brando uh, as a as a younger man, and it shows him taking charge and not backing down against the crime lord in the neighborhood where he lives like Michael, he had tried to, you know, work in a shop, take care of his family, but he was getting hassled by a mob boss who wanted some protection money. Eventually Vito decides they have to stand up to him. And long story short, he ends up killing the guy and slowly builds his empire until he is the godfather. Right. Uh, In the meantime, Michael is, has relocated to Lake Tahoe and is running the empire from out there. And, and the movie cuts back and forth right. between it's, it's not half and half. Uh, the movie cuts back and forth to Michael running the empire and the wheelings and dealings it takes to continue to do so. He, he talks to his soon to be estranged wife uh, about going legitimate that doesn't happen over the course of the movie. Nope. Like with the Pope being killed shortly into his papacy, uh, there is a brush with history when they are in Cuba. Oh, um, yes. The, during the New Year's Revolution, I think in, was it supposed to be 52? Uh, I, for, forgive me, I'm not good with exact dates uh, in history. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, far, but I'm, when, I'm not when, up on my Cuban history either. When uh, Castro sees power from Bautista. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're in Havana when that's going on. And uh, I, I can't think of specific religious. Well, uh, there's. there's help, help me out, Robert. You've seen it more recently uh, than I have. The movie starts with um, the first communion of Anthony Corleone, Michael's son. They have this big shindig. They have, like, the governor at Anthony. Corleone's um, first communion. Yes, yes, that's that's his first communion. Yeah, where Fredo's wife is drunk. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, they have this you know choir of people singing and um, all these lavish gifts and um, their first communions are a big deal in the Catholic Church. Um, Yes, they are. Uh, my wife, I can vouch for that. Yeah, my wife is a photographer, and she does a lot of you know special pictures for First Communions and stuff. I received my First Communion as a Lutheran, so I kind of missed out on that. It's kind of a big deal in in the Lutheran Church, but even more so in the in the Catholic Church. What your communion does is it it reinforces your baptism. Like your, your baptism is your entrance into the church. And the communion is, you know, you you 
receive the the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And um, I, I was always told it was meant to symbolize partaking in the Last Supper with Jesus when he said, this is my body, this is my blood. Do this and remember. Uh, eat and drink of it. Yes, thank you. And uh, and this this is what sustains your soul. This is what keeps you in the body of Christ. As you consume the elements of the body of Christ, you are uh, subsumed into the body of of the church. Um, which is does that does that have any narrative significance to the Godfather Part Two, Robert? Well, here's what I think, and <laughs> uh, you may disagree, but I think you know Michael is. Yeah, he's a becoming totally a different person than where he was at the beginning of The Godfather. Absolutely. No, chart... I saw where you were going with that. I was setting you up. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, you could chart his downward trajectory. So then by the end of the movie, you know, he was Michael was supposed to make this deal with all these other people who are, you know, it, it's a real obvious Coppola could have done better, but they have this cake of Cuba and they're cutting it up and they're serving it to all the mobsters you know, who want a, a piece of Cuba, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, hit me over the head with a board. Why not? <laughs> I, I think I get it. And then uh, the deal falls through because, of course, you have the revolution. But um, Fredo was talking to one of the other mobsters and they were trying to get Fredo to get Michael to say yes to all this. And um, Michael took this as an affront as, you know, Fredo was working against the family and then there's the the scene at the end of the movie where Fredo goes out on the boat. Well, they tried to whacked. they tried to kill Michael. Yeah, and Fredo didn't know they were going to try and kill him. Yeah, but that... Michael still has to. You, you know what you have to do to traitors. Yeah. So like like Ellen Ty. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Michael didn't feed him a, a cup of poison tea. He yeah. Had his goon take him out in a boat and throw him in the lake. Well, shoot him and then throw him in the lake. So he was sleeping with the fishes. That's right. Like Luca Brazzi. Like Luca Brazzi. Luca Brazzi sleeps with the fishes. So, yeah, there's... So, basically, at the end of... And and Michael's watching this happen through... Yeah, he can see it in, like, silhouette from... And he's watching him passively. His soul is dead. He's reached the bottom and he's done all this stuff to try and save his family his wife got an abortion and left him and taken his children away from him because he's done all this horrible stuff in the mob and juxtaposed with that is Vito Corleone's ascent into the mob family and well basically creating his own mob family and all, everything he does is for the same reason that Michael is doing them. You're doing them to protect the family. Except in the process, Vito uh, gains his family and uh, surrounds him and protects them. And Michael loses him. And, you know, they're not doing anything different at all. I mean, they, there's a, a scene where Vito goes back to Sicily, right? Yeah, Sicily. Yes, Sicily. Where they're from. And he stabs the old man who was the... You know, the mob boss in Sicily that, you know, killed his father and his brother. And his mother. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, so he has his ultimate revenge. Michael gets his ultimate revenge, but he does it by killing his brother, which is bad. (laughs) So, which brings us to Godfather Part 3, which... (laughs) 
um, which is bad for completely different reasons. See, it's it's not a good movie. I think it is, and I it, I I don't care for it. I I find it unnecessary and weak. Okay, well, I will give you this concession that Sofia Coppola has like zero charisma. You know, especially with all her scenes with Andy Garcia and stuff. He, not Andy Garcia. Um, yeah, Andy Garcia. Uh, well, who plays Fat Tony? As as Sonny's son. Yeah, no, that's not Andy Garcia. Oh, oh, um, Andy Joe Garcia. Mantegna. I'm sorry. Joe Mantegna. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Joe Mantegna. Okay. Yeah, I was right. All right. Who plays Fat Tony? <laughs> well, it's it's funny because. He's you know, made a career out of spoofing himself. I know, after watching, you know, The Simpsons for 20 years, all right? And then to go back and watch The Godfather Part 3, he's still doing Fat Tony in The Godfather Part 3. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. He really is. He, he's supposed to be Joey Zaza, but he's Fat Tony. Come on. <laughs> I, I guess you could say, you know, maybe it hasn't aged well, you know, in light of what Joe Mantegna has done since, you know, with The Simpsons. But, you know, this launched Andy Garcia's career. But, yeah, Sophia Coppola, she did bring it down. But this starts with with Michael receiving, like, the highest honor a layperson can receive within the church. It's the, the Cross of St. Anthony, I believe it's called. Is that right? I think so. So, it, again, it begins with a religious ceremony, and all the family has gathered. You know, you have Sonny's illegitimate son who's got to, like, force his way in. He starts flirting with his cousin, which is really creepy and weird. But in character. Yeah. Yeah, because he does whatever he wants. Here's a, a fun fact. Um, the character that he's supposed to be playing in the first Godfather movie during the wedding, Sonny is off banging some chick can i say banging on the podcast sure sunny is off banging some chick during the wedding yeah uh, that is not his wife and uh, in godfather part three okay. andy garcia's character is her son oh okay yeah because they said um garcia's character was in the book yes but they they took it out Yes. The the Godfather Mario Puzo novel is actually very trash. <laughs> it has it's as much about the family as it is about making illegitimate children and the the lounge singer who's at the wedding, he plays a big part in trying to get his career going. Yeah. And well, they bring him back in the third one too. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> all the interestingly, all of the Vito stuff from Godfather Part Two is from the Godfather novel. Oh, okay. And then they fleshed out the Michael present day stuff with. Ah, okay. Yeah, and then gave it the parallels that they did. Yeah. And don't get me started about the two. Godfather Returns and Godfather Revenge books. So I I made it halfway through one of them, and it's all about Sonny's illegitimate kids. It's terrible. Oh. Anyway, it's Godfather Part Three. <laughs> so here you see Michael. You know he's trying to make amends with his family. He's trying to yeah. go legitimate. The but... business is legitimate at the start of the movie. Yeah, he's basically paying off the mob bosses because he. That's what his 
father's mistake was he just told him no and walked away. Uh, Michael, he told him no, and it's like, well, here's a big fat check. Thank you for everything you've done. But he made the mistake of not giving, you know, Fat Tony, a.k.a. Joey Zaza, <laughs> his cut, and which leads to trouble and everyone dying at the end of the movie like a Shakespeare tragedy. Like, like opera, actually, which they go to see the opera. Yeah. And then as they're leaving... Uh, these assassins, they shoot Michael, but they only get him through the shoulder and end up killing his daughter, the thing he loved most in the world. And it's also the the hole in his heart that, that killed that killed Michael. And he, he His soul is now fully and completely dead, but he lives on and he dies. It looks Elderly. like he's in the same vi- villa that um, his dad killed that, that Don that killed his, you know, everybody else in his family. He just kind of slumps over in a chair and dies. Kind of the way his father died, too. He just kind of slumped over in the vineyard. Yeah. And and let's not forget, like we mentioned earlier, uh, they kill the Pope. That's right. Um, and and it's a, as the as the opera is some playing out, the, they're kind showing... Of dirty deal that they, they were trying to do with the Vatican or something. The Vatican was trying to hide some money through the Corleones... Well, yeah. no, they needed they needed a loan. the The guy who holds all the money for the church, he let one of his the people under him embezzle all this money away from the church, so he needed a loan from the mob. Ah, <laughs> so that's, that's why right. that's why he was getting in bed with uh, Michael Corleone there. And this was Michael's chance to to go legit. He basically runs all the real estate for the church. He basically will own all the land the church has, you know, through this company. Yeah. But all the old European fat cats who already have their fingers in this company didn't want Michael coming in because they saw him as just a punk mobster. They were the ones who, like, killed the Pope. Yeah. And, um, you know, Michael was getting revenge on all the... Or Connie, actually. She she kills one of the old guys who betrayed Michael to these other guys and Joey Zaza. And, and, and there's and, a, a helicopter scene where a helicopter takes out a bunch of guys. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about uh, like the middle of Godfather 3 where, where Michael's really trying hard to make amends with his children, his wife, and with God. He has that, that scene with um, the one bishop who becomes, he, you know, he, he's going to become the pope who supposedly gets killed by the mob. But he's confessing his sin, you know. He said, "I killed yes. my brother," and he—you see real, true remorse. I mean, it's finally sunk in. Oh my God, what did I do? And you—you you, you have hope for him, the—the the hope you didn't have at the end of Godfather Two. You, you see a man who's convinced that you know, maybe he doesn't believe in God. He doesn't put his trust in Jesus Christ. But yeah, he—he he knows he does—he did something wrong. <laughs> And he's trying, he knows he can get redemption somehow through the church in one way or another. And he, But he doesn't know how to do it at all. I mean, he's been in this culture and uh, part of this religion for so long, and he's still kind of clueless on, on what he ha- he's got to do. He's still trying to get out on his terms, and he never really, never really gets it out. So, and that's all I have to say about that. Okay. What else is there to say about, uh, now that we've run through the movies, what else is there to say about uh, The Godfather? You wanted to talk about how it's taken on a sort of religious life of its own. Um, so, yeah, like if you watch the, the bonus disc 
um, that comes with the the, the Blu-ray set, and we both have that, right? Uh, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to tell a little Godfather on home video story here. Um, <laughs> my first set that I owned was the original DVDs that came out in the plain black box. And after I got my high def TV, those were literally unwatchable. The, yeah. the quality, the picture quality on those was just atrocious. It, I, I can't do it justice. It didn't look like a real movie no, when you when I tried to watch it. It's like all washed out and stuff. Yeah. So I got rid of those, and I got the first one and the second one separately on Blu-ray. And I didn't know this at the time, but the third one they did not release loose. So I was going to get it on just on DVD at Best Buy where I was. I accidentally got the first one on DVD by mistake. I wasn't looking. <laughs> I mean, the the I colors of the cover, the colors on the cover all look the same. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. So I returned it, and it, shortly thereafter... The blockbuster where my co-host Robert worked decided to go out of business. Yep. And I, I gave him a, a wish list of potential clearance titles to look for for me, and one of them was The Godfather Part 3. And sure enough, they had it with the bonus disc, yep. which I had resigned myself to not getting. and Because the box set at this time was still like 80-some dollars. Yeah. And so I ended up for the cost, and, and and he just gave it to me out of the kindness of his heart. Uh, dude, I got it super cheap. Okay. <laughs> I got it Still. like 90% off, <laughs> plus my discount. So. <laughs> nice. Uh, so anyway, I, I got a four-disc. I think the case that Prometheus came in oh, has yeah. the four Godfather discs with just the cover of the first one in it. For the cost of two movies that I paid, like most of which with gift cards. There you go. Uh, you got an offer you couldn't refuse, right? I did. I did. Yeah. But but anyways, I was watching this bonus disc, and um, there's some really nice features on it. And as an added bonus, which a lot of box sets don't do this, it has all the bonus features that were with the original DVD yes. set. It, it, it mimics the layout and navigation of the original box set. So yeah, you could throw the DVDs in the garbage and keep your <laughs> yeah keep, keep your Blu-rays. But you know, because a lot of like I know a lot of when Blu-rays come out, they don't have the, like the Star Wars, they don't have the same bonus features uh, that the DVD does. So you have to keep no. them all. Well, I didn't. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I keep mine. Some of us still have our VHS, DVDs, and Blu-rays <laughs> of the Star Wars. Trilogy. So, I have one official copy of Star Wars at a time. Yeah, not true. Not true. I I do have the Faces VHS tapes. Anyways, we're, I'm, I've been trying to tell the story for like uh, a bazillion ten years minutes now. now. Yeah, um, the bonus does, uh, has a, a few sections where they talk with um, celebrities and actors and uh, other people about how the Godfather's influenced their life. And how it's influenced pop culture. Of course, they talk about to Joe Montana about Fat Tony, and they have clips from The Simpsons, and uh, with uh, Richard Belzer, and how he says they they do on Law and Order like every day, like a line from The Godfather comes out, and on The Sopranos, how it you know it's a like a huge meta reference, 
and they're walking around quoting lines of the Godfather like scripture. Like this, well, this is how you whack somebody, you know. If you really hate him, you shoot him in the eye, like at the end of Godfather, you know. And it, they're talking about the, the, the practical and theological ramifications for of the mob life according to the Godfather, you know. So it, it's and and then they, they there's this one guy who does a one man show, and it's entire, you know, he does the whole thing, but uh, of Godfather playing all the roles. By himself, you know, jumping in and out of costumes and props and stuff, and that takes a, a life commitment to do <laughs> to do that yeah. sort of thing. Because it's out of my, I, I like the movies, but I'm I, I'm not really. I I guess that's how Star Wars is for me. Yeah. Like I I don't go a day without mentioning and or quoting Star Wars. Yeah. In, and I never realized that The Godfather had that same sort of cachet with its fans yeah. until I saw that on the disc. Yeah. You know, a lot of classic movies, you know, have this sort of uh, fandom. And it, it, I think it's more, you see it more in, in science fiction than you, you do in, in movies like The Godfather. But this this movie, it, it's so cultural and iconic and not just... Not just to Italian Americans anymore, but to all of America. Yeah, it it's really is an American story. Uh, you know, it has its roots in Italy, and elements of it happen, you know, overseas. But it, it's an American story. It, it so it really speaks to to something in all of us, and you know, and that's what that's what a good religion does. You know, that's why you know so many people have followed Christ over the years because he you know he really speaks to something in all of us. And, uh, so are are you saying that uh, Vito is God and Michael is Jesus? No. Oh, oh, no. Okay. No. Just making sure. Well, since Sonny died, he's the Holy Ghost, right? Sure, okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm not saying that at all. WWMCD. There might be some people who th- maybe think that way, you know? There's other people might say that, you know, Francis Ford Coppola is part of another holy trinity of, uh, you know, Spielberg and Lucas. Although some people think Lucas is the devil now. And, you know, the people who love Star Wars. I After Coppola directed Jack, I think that was it for him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and now, with a Jack reference, uh, shall we move on to TV Corner? Yes, I think we shall. Okay. Somebody actually uh, brought up something that I, I don't think we uh, talked about in regards to The Godfather. What's that? Uh, the title itself is a religious affectation. Oh, yeah. It uh, refers to, in Christian tradition, and I, I don't know if what other religious followers uh, also have the naming of godparents, but... What I know of, a godparent, a godfather, and a godmother are named uh, ahead of a child's birth to guide that child spiritually and kind of like a, a second parent 
sort of thing. Uh, Robert is my daughter's godfather. Yeah. And I'm the godfather. <laughs> and I am the godfather. As, yeah. And as such, the godfather in Italian culture is the one who guides the family. In this case, the mob family. Ah. That was totally lost on me. It, it it's like right there and so obvious that yeah. you kind of like go past it. But yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's move on to TV corner. All right. <laughs> okay, so today we're talking about the Bible, the complete epic miniseries. So yeah, is that the the that whole is name? The... That is the complete proper title that is on the cover of the DVDs and Blu-rays. Uh, I get well. I guess there was a Bible movie. Yes, I like I don't remember who's in it, but it, it's from the fifties. Yeah, they they did a lot of those really long biblical. What do they call them? Sword and sandal epics. Yeah, I I don't remember if if Cecil B. DeMille directed the Bible, but he did a bunch of other Bible movies. Oh, yeah. Well, namely Ten Commandments. And Ben-Hur, I think, maybe? Yeah, oh, I... The Bible in the Beginning, 1966. Ah, there you go. Uh, directed by John Huston. Okay. A, a... Oh. Yeah. Gandalf. No. N- no. Yeah, it, it well, John Huston did the voice of Gandalf in the Hobbit cartoon, which I watched for years and years and years and years. So. Okay. He's also the lawgiver. Yes, I knew that. I, I wasn't going to mention that. Yes, but you know who else is the lawgiver? Moses. See see what I did there? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, now that we're done comparing the filmographies of Planet of the Apes stars to biblical epics, where should we begin? Well, you had you had a, a problem with... I had many problems with this show. Yeah. I, I, was, I was not a fan of... Well, I, I remember in particular you talked to me about Moses. Oh. So in, I believe it was episode two, full disclosure for the audience, I did not watch all ten episodes of this. I made it through four of them, I think. I, I think it was one, two, three, and I slept through some of three. <laughs> Don't worry, and, I did too. And, what's that? I did too. I slept through some of these. I tried watching them all in order, like marathon them. Yeah, that was a mistake. And and then I made sh- yeah, and then I made sure to watch a Jesus episode when I realized I wasn't going to get through all of them. I made sure to watch, I believe it was episode seven, one of the ones with like the not the Christmas episode, but the first adult Jesus episode. Yeah, and I wanted to watch the last one, but just life got in the way. I I couldn't get to it. Yes, <laughs> um, but I I don't feel like I missed anything after what Robert told me about it. Um, no, anyway, in episode didn't. two, episode one was, was I don't want to say interesting, but I thought, you know, okay, well, there's, they got through Adam and Eve, and now they're they're spending a little more time on, uh, what was it, Abraham? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so, okay, they're, I see how this is going to do. They're going to do little snippets and short format, long format. Okay, fine. Then we get to episode two, and they, they spend a lot of time on Exodus and Moses, and it starts out with Moses in Egypt as a prince, and he's played by an Egyptian-looking guy, you know, bald head, like, oh, that's a, a radical departure. They're actually going for, you know, authentic, you know, looking, casting. 
Yeah, he looks and, Middle Eastern. Yes. And then it jumps ahead after he's revealed that he's a Jew. It jumps ahead to him leading the Israelites? Yes. Okay. And all of a sudden, it's this white British guy who is clearly imitating Charlton Heston. It was <laughs> it was embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have no other word for it. It, it was... I, I could not believe not only that the, the actors clearly were not not even close to being the same person. It, it, just the fact that they went the route they did. Yeah. Because you know no one directed him to imitate Charlton Heston. That was an acting choice. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, I think it points to the whole disjointed nature of this whole series. It seemed... Um, I think Mark Burnett directed all of it. The way the way he talked in interviews and um, oh, you think he directed it? I know he produced it. Yeah, that would explain a lot. I don't think he's actually a director. Yeah, but but even so, you know, as an executive producer, then he should be coordinating these, make making sure that they're all one grand story, yeah. one narrative that they especially actually... especially within the same episode. Yeah, it doesn't really lead into the next one, and he's like with within like the story of one character, it's so radically different. You're like, wait a minute, huh? What's going on? And like the Bible is supposed to be one big grand narrative. It's the story of our relationship with God from the beginning to the end, and a lot of really cool, interesting stuff happens in the middle. But I think what they tried to do was take all the uh, the sensational stuff in the middle and pull those things out. Um, yeah, that's that's it. they they pulled all the stuff with the battles and the the drama and the um, sleeping around the sauciness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. I I didn't appreciate that they went for the sensationalism. That they didn't go for instead of making a even. Now, granted, in in this day and age, it would be hard to have success. And this this program was, by all accounts, successful for the network and in terms of viewership. Yeah, uh, th- they've even commissioned a sequel. But the less said yeah. about that, the better. Yeah. Uh, well, we may touch on it later. Uh, <laughs> it's another episode. <laughs> yeah, by 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 all accounts, this was successful. So I, I'm not sure how successful a traditional Sunday school esque sanitized version would have been well this seemed pretty sunday school to me oh i no i disagree <laughs> with all the with with all the bodies hitting the floor and yeah. it was it was clearly designed to be sensational yeah. i mean well, they, I they, was, they took they they took the how can we what what is the most we can get away with and keep this pg yeah, you know, at, at at least Mel Gibson decided on an R rating early on. Yeah, these, these people went for like the yeah PG thirteen. You know what I'm? Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they 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 they, I, they, they deliberately went beyond the G rated and made it just sensational enough. Yeah, that it would be titillating and yet fun for the whole family. Yeah, well, like the the parts with Samson. Um, oh yeah, like um, you, you know, he, I I thought it was interesting that they cast uh, uh, like a really big black guy. He looked like a like a linebacker, you know, really yeah. strong, like uh, Samson's supposed to be. And oh wait, had... they don't they don't have big Samoan looking black guys in the Middle East? Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe now. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
probably not well, 2,500 e- years ago. Yeah, well, uh, Ethiopia is a very important area for the Christian church because they're one of the first countries to where Christianity really spread in the early church. And mm. um, and you could trace that to uh, some places in Acts where um, uh, I think it was Philip was witnessing to an Ethiopian. Um Anyway, for the to, for the sake of the show, though. Yeah, it was they're they, uh, they're playing up the the racial difference between the the Israelites and the Philistines for that story, because um, yeah. Samson was a judge before they had kings in Israel. He was God appointed him to be a leader, and he was protecting Israel from the the Philistines. So they they really played up the, the tension there. But it didn't make sense with the rest of the story because there was no other black people that I saw who played uh, Israelites. Except <laughs> his mom. Yeah, yeah, except his mom. But even within that own story, it was weird. So I, I, they could have coordinated this more. I mean, between di- I mean, I, I'm not sure if they had different directors for each episode. They had three different directors between the ten episodes. Okay, so yeah, those guys should have had a meeting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> At least one. <laughs> You know, this, okay, how are we going to connect this all up and, and make it seem like it's from one book? But, it, I mean... By by having Keith David uh, narrate, that's how. Uh, that, yeah, that's the only connecting thread. It's like, this is what happens, this is what happens, this is what happens. Yeah, and they... Skip, Jesus. Yeah, they skip over so much. Like, they go right from David, who, you know, of course, he did the whole Bathsheba thing and spend a lot of time on that, but not on anything he does after that, you know, um, you know, trying to hold the the kingdom together and trying to build the temple and all that. They they just show him, like, him and the little baby Samson, oh, yeah, one day you'll build the temple, and they, there's, like, a little model thing. And then they zoom out and fade away, and it it's, um, they do a crossfade into uh, the temple, and then it's, like, 500 years later, and there's, like, the last king of Israel being um, hauled off into exile, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! What happened well, to Kings and Chronicles and all the prophets? And one of my favorite Simpsons episodes is the, the episode where Homer becomes the voice of Poochie the dog, and at one point when uh, they're first introducing the cartoon to its first broadcast, uh, Krusty the Clown comes out and says, "In 1969, man walked on the moon." In 1971, man walked on the moon again. Then, for a long time, nothing happened. (laughs) And and, and that's kind of what this reminded me of, how they tell a little story, and then generations passed, and all of a sudden the kid's grown up, and he's the leader, and talking about Moses. I don't know. Can we go back to casting again, just for a second? Yes, yes. So, as I said, I, I watched the first three episodes and then a Jesus episode. And again, into episode two for about 10 minutes, there is an authentic cast Moses. Then we get to Jesus. Who's another white guy <laughs> in, in the long tradition of the guy from the robe, Jim Caviezel, Willem Dafoe, Max von Sydow, the guy from Jesus Christ, superstar who's still touring by the way. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, does Victor Garber count? Uh yeah. All right, Victor Garber from Godspell. Yeah, the the list goes on. And uh, John Ian Cusack, he did. Uh, he was in the Gospel of John. He was. Uh, I've never heard of that movie. Yeah, it's a 
It was like a direct-to-video kind of miniseries kind of thing. There, it's oh. like it's the Gospel of John, like verbatim. The script of the movie is, I think it's a new international version of the Gospel of John, like line for line. And yeah. last but not least, Graham Chapman. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're making the same mistake the wise men did. It's it's an easy mistake to make. Yeah. One manger over. Anyway, anyway, I I, I don't know why it pers- it's because again they're they're pandering they're literally preaching to the choir. Yeah. They're pandering to their audience. People sitting at home watching the History Channel. Don't get me started. Watching the, the History Channel for a miniseries called The Bible are not going to watch a Middle Eastern guy play Jesus. Again, they yeah. want they want eyeballs to sell ads. They're casting a white guy. Yeah. Because that's what Middle America wants. And it worked. Yeah. yeah. Apparently a lot of people watched it and well, oh, yeah. I, I heard they also yeah. fudged the numbers for the Vikings, which came on afterwards. Or like, <laughs> people turned that off. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I I didn't watch the Vikings either. No, I didn't because I I don't care about Vikings. I read Hagar the Horrible, and I'm I'm good. <laughs> well, the problem I had with the Jesus segment of this miniseries, other than the part, yeah, you know, yeah, I could see they're aiming for a Christian audience, and you know, Mark Burnett and um. Uh, he he's a Christian, so his focus is going to be on Christ. Who and his wife's an angel. That's right, she is. Yeah, his wife is Roma Downey, who also produced this and cast herself as the only name star as Mary. Uh, you could say that this whole miniseries was their baby. So, yeah, that was bad. I could, but I'm not. <laughs> I did, and it was awful the first time. Okay. My problem with this was well, not so much in the casting, but in his portrayal. Um, you know, they did take, they took more time than any other story, which I, I can understand. Yeah, they but, spent like three and a half episodes on Jesus. Yeah. They, there's things that they could have condensed, especially because they added so many things that really weren't in the Bible. Like, I think it was just before the the one you watched. Like, they have the Jesus birth story, and then they cut to when he's just starting his ministry, and he meets Peter on the boat, and tells him, I will teach you to be fishers of men. And he's like, well, what are we going to do? That line isn't in the Bible. And neither is this line. We're going to change the world. And it, they did that just for the sound bite because they played that leading up for weeks and months beforehand. Uh, we're going to change the world. We're going to... It's like they made a kick-butt Jesus. Yeah. Jesus wasn't uh, taking names and asking questions later. Yeah, you know, he was he was he wasn't out to change the world. He was out to preach his ministry and right spread the word. Which I, you know, he he I don't know. Yeah, you can say it better than I can. Let me give it a shot. Um, in the book of Philippians, chapter two, there's Paul gives a little hymn that they may have sung in the early church, and he says, and this is called the Kenotic hymn, which means uh, kenosis means to pour out. It starts out, Jesus, uh, who being in the very nature of God, did not see divinity as something to be attained, but yet humbled himself, uh, poured himself out, and, be- and humbled himself, uh, becoming like a human. I'm, I'm paraphrasing badly. I, I started out well, but I, <laughs> my memory is not so well this time of night. 
But basically, it points to the humility of Jesus and how you know, he humbled himself even to death on the cross, which is the most humiliating, torturous, painful kind of death ever devised by the human race. And he, that's the, the death that he suffered uh, for our sins. And that's what he was trying to do, was to reconcile us to God, not change the world. Because if he was trying to do that, he would have been the um, political and military leader that... Um, most people were looking for in the Messiah at the time that he was coming. And I think that a lot of Christians are looking for today in Christ coming again. They're looking for a political and military leader. And I think they're playing into that. You know, Jesus is not wearing a white robe, but red, white, and blue when he comes again, well, riding on that horse. Well, of course. So I get very offended when, yes, God bless the USA, but God bless the entire world as well. <laughs> You know, he's not for America, nobody else. God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die for us. So, so wait, other countries are important too? Yeah. Wow, I learned something today. <laughs> yeah, so... I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> Lest our listeners think I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then after... They're, they're going on. I'm waiting for, like, Paul. I'm waiting for John. I'm waiting for the Acts of the Apostles. And you said Episode 7 was... It was, like, part of Episode 6, Episode 7, Episode 8, Episode 9. And then, you know, they do the crucifixion in Episode 10. And then, like, the last half hour, they just kind of... Okay, no, here's the, Paul. The, the resurrection was in 10. Okay, the resurrection was intense. So yeah, the, the, just the last half hour of the last episode, oh, they have the conversion of Paul, and then they show John in a cave and Jesus appears to him. Uh, so you're missing 80% of the New Testament. Yeah, I, I asked Robert, well, what did they do about Revelation? Because that's got some cool imagery up there. Uh, the the horsemen and the rapture and... What did you say? They spent like five minutes? Yeah. They showed... John in a cave having a vision of Jesus. It's like the 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 very beginning of Revelation. And and then they they skip like to the very like last sort of lines that Jesus says to John at the, the end of the book. And I think they ran out of money and they're like, "Oh, we need to get this in here. Let's uh let's just do this." And there you go. I don't know if they if they ran out of money other than they, again, they know what their audience wants to see. Yeah. And so they top-loaded it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not being hard on religion. I'm being hard on a poorly made miniseries that, for some reason, was very popular and successful. Yeah. Well, I'm Maybe a Christian. Maybe it's just my taste. I don't know. I... I'm I'm glad I didn't spend more than four hours on it. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm a Christian, and I study the Bible, and I'm almost done with uh, my master's degree in theology with a really big focus on uh, studying biblical scripture, and I found it lacking. It it did not accurately represent my holy scripture. Well, maybe maybe that's the problem. I have a film degree. You have a religion degree. This miniseries wasn't for us. <laughs> I guess not. Because <laughs> we know from what. And the people who enjoyed this probably didn't. 
All right. Do we have anything else? Do you do you want to talk about the controversy about the actor playing Satan at all? I think that was a lot of oh, how he looked like Obama. How <laughs> supposedly, despite the fact that I think they cast him before Obama was a well, no, that wouldn't be right. No, that uh, was a long time but, ago. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it was coincidental, and they're reading too, people are reading too much into it. Yeah, so they that's what they said. Oh, no, I know what it was. Material. I know what it was. Um. Uh, they said that the guy that they cast was a uh, Moroccan actor who was popular in his own country who'd played Satan before, even like before Obama had been elected. That's what it was. Oh, okay. Uh, not not in this miniseries. Don't hold me to that. I'm going from memory there. Yeah, I, yeah. I read similar comments, so that uh, it that was, was totally coincidental, and they yeah. really didn't really think did. that was going to be a factor. Yeah. And... All right, uh... Anything else to say about that? Nope. Okay. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Me either. It makes it, me angry. So yeah, that's that's our final judgment on yeah <laughs> on the Bible. Oh, and there's going to be the a sequel. Epic. Yeah. They're they're going to do more New Testament stuff, but it's going to be like the founding of the church and mostly Acts probably. They might they go might beyond be. that into um like early like church early. history, like. The founding of the churches by Paul, which is in Acts, but they might go beyond that into like around fourth uh, century with Constantine, who uh, made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. So that that would be interesting to see how they portray that. So Constantine or Charlemagne? Uh, Charlemagne was French. He was in the Middle Ages. Constantine. Okay. Constantine was, was way before that. Yeah, he was. Okay. He was fourth century uh, Roman Empire. Um, I do not know my conversion history. Yeah, apparently Constantine um, had a vision of the cross in the sky. If we're gonna win this battle, he was fighting out somebody for something. I can't remember. Uh, if we're gonna win this battle, then uh, we need to convert to Christianity. So he did that. Painted crosses on everyone's shield. And they won the battle, and he took it as an omen, converted to Christianity. And, and people have been waging war in Jesus' name ever since. Yeah. Well, that, that's how the grand tradition got started. Yeah, I have I have more to say on that. But Constantine was a, a wry political character. He, people debate whether or not his conversion was really true. Some people argue that he was always a pagan at heart. Said so people are like, oh, he was a Christian and really fought for Christian rights. Maybe he was just a really good uh, emperor and was like, I could see this uh, religion really gaining popularity, and people are, you know, a lot of my subjects are still being persecuted. Uh, how could I fix this? So, but that's neither here or there, according yeah. to uh, for our purposes here today. It's um, beyond the purview of our podcast. Yeah. We will we will talk about that when when they make a movie about him. Yeah, or when the Bible, the sequel, the epic miniseries comes out. The Bible too. Can't wait. Jesus is back, and this time he's mad. We changed the world. Now we have to change it back. <laughs> oh boy. Let's do some converting. Ugh. <laughs> uh. All right, so what's on tap for next time? Next time, Mike, it's another it's another torture Mike episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, I don't like where this is going. Yes, we're watching uh, 
because uh, Riddick just came out uh, the beginning of September here, we're going to be watching uh, Pitch Black and the Chronicles of Riddick. In the immortal words of Anakin Skywalker turned Darth Vader at the end of Revenge of the Sith, <laughs> no! I'll tell you what, well, I won't make you watch all of it. Like I'll, I'll watch it and I'll show you the important bits when you come over to record. How's that? Oh, oh, like uh, like I did with the Bible. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's fine. Because I enjoy because I've movies seen and... I've seen both those movies and that's four hours of my life. I'm not getting back. Well, I don't waste four hours of your life. How's that? Only oh. all right. Only like only... maybe half hour or so. Okay, I can I can probably stomach a half hour. Yeah, because actually, and, and, and I'm not seeing I'm not paying to see Riddick. Yeah, I I still haven't gone to see that yet, and I'm I really, really? Want to see I, it. Yeah, I thought I thought you went like the first day it came out. No, I, well I saw I saw Fast and Furious Six the first day it came out. Maybe that's what I was thinking. But of. I got I got busy with school and all of our other problems, which got yeah. in the way of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, folks, uh, real life has gotten in the way of a lot of our movie watching, and so not just this podcast, but in many areas of our life, yeah, we had to deal with things. But, but hey, I got to I got to watch uh, Bite's Daughter Zoe for a week, and that was fun. I, I forgot how much energy two year olds have. <laughs> oh man, I I slept good that at the end of that week. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, all right. So, hopefully, so, this next episode, we'll, we'll just do the the two movies. Um, it, we it took us two months to get this epic, epic episode out. Yes, uh, it was some. that big. Yeah. Between between life issues, health issues, technical difficulties, oh. <laughs> all six of you had better enjoy this thing. Yeah, maybe God didn't like our bad review of the, the epic <laughs> miniseries. He's letting us know. I'd like to think God has better taste than that. Well, go go to uh, some of the nice cathedrals and look at some nice uh, sculpture from uh, the Renaissance period. I think God likes that art. That's good stuff. Yeah. So, they but, don't make them like they used to. Yes. Hopefully we could start. That That's another problem I have with the church in general. Is it stopped making art that is worthy of our creator. So, But that that's... I guess that's another a debate for another podcast. <laughs> so until next time in the beginning of November, when God willing and the creek don't rise, we will have <laughs> this next episode out on Riddick. Um, this is Robert saying keep the faith. And Mike saying peace out. <laughs>